Hello and you are very welcome to Donadara Doability. This is episode 51. I'm Dara McNicholas. And I'm Dan Airy. Dan, how are you? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Um currently on my Easter break from college. Brilliant. I love that. That's you know, that's a <laughs> God, I even remember those days. Uh yeah. I remember college. Yeah. I think it was it was a, a, a series of justs. Just need to get the Easter. Just need to get the Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Just need another five hundred <laughs> words. Just need to finish this edit. So how's yeah. everything? How's everything you're in? Yeah, yeah, it's all pretty good, Dan. Um, you know, business-wise, not so good. Uh, but I think that's you know that's to be expected. Uh, mental health is uh, reasonably all right this week. I think last week it was uh, to be found in a bog somewhere. Uh, last week I found right. I, I thought it was very very tough actually. Um, but I seem to be on the bounce this week. Yeah, uh, and no, drug, no, no drugs good. involved either, which is always very, very, very good. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, we have a bit to uh, get through today. We're going to be joined a little later on um, uh, for a little discussion about. I said botcha. You say. I, I say botcha as well. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Or maybe I said. Maybe I didn't say. You used to say botchy, botch, botch. Yeah, you know. Um, we could be here a while trying to explain that one, but there's yeah. a bit of a there's a bit of a kerfuffle. I'd like to Absolutely. thank Catherine, Catherine Gallagher last week for that word kerfuffle as well. Uh, I like it. Uh, yeah, so the Bocce community have a problem with their balls, effectively. And we're going to have somebody to have a chat with that in, in a little bit of a while. But first, Dan, do you want to have a chat um, about episode five of Disability, A New History? Yes. Uh, so this has been, I don't know about you, but for me, this has been a particularly interesting series so far. Uh, definitely brought us some, some new perspectives on, on things. Um, this one was called Finding a Voice, and it follows uh, an 18th century MP, uh, William Hay, who was born with uh, scoliosis and he wrote uh, an essay on deformity and now that is the term that they that they used back then and it, it was interesting because we were talking about language uh, a couple of weeks ago and even in that episode they were like it's the term they used at that time uh, and it, it was kind of viewed as a landmark publication on uh, disability yeah, then as as now I suppose really as well. Um, I think it was mm-hmm. kind of everything that it was one that was dug up with glee and y'all went, oh, look at this. They were talking, you know, they were writing about it even in the 18th century, yeah. which I think is 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 pretty good. Again, I think it comes back to uh, a whole sense of humour around disability um, in what he was writing and and how he was writing it, uh, which I found a little bit on the interesting side. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, he kind of he said he he said he's only five foot tall, um, yeah. and would find himself in trouble in a crowd, um, getting jostled around and stuff like that. And there there seemed to be that humour that we we kind of some possibly lack somewhat today. Um, yeah, I I think I could I personally identified with that actually um, because I tend to do that quite a bit as well. Uh, essentially take the piss out of myself before anyone else can. 
<laughs> I suppose, you know? Yeah, not always the best thing either, I suppose, sometimes. I'm not sure. Uh, it's one thing being in a joke, uh, I suppose the other part, the, the, the more difficult part is when you are the joke. Yeah. I think that's yeah. where the problem really is, I suppose. And then I suppose it comes down to your relationship with the people, really, I suppose, that are either telling the joke or are laughing, uh, I suppose. So it's all that kind of connected sortiveness. Yeah, if the connected sortiveness, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, the language of disability. No. Dara's just making up words now. Yeah, that's <laughs> fine, and it's okay too. I, I suppose it, it is all about the, the contact around it, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, but there was, uh, I know, yeah, it was, was this, was it in that, that they were talking about doing uh, plenty of strengths? Yes. Yeah, you may not be able to be an actor, but you can be the playwright. And you might not be able to be uh, something like an army officer, but you can be like an advisor. Or, yeah, or a strategist or, or something or like st- that. Yeah, strategist or something like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Catherine kind of made a reference to that last week as well when she was saying, you know, uh, she realized she was never going to be a doctor, mm-hmm. you know, but then it's maybe not necessarily her uh, circumstances are, we say, how journalism is, but doesn't necessarily say she can't be an amazing researcher somewhere mm-hmm. in an office based position and stuff like that and still pursue journalism, but not be the one out in the middle of a field with a microphone getting the head blown off you by a tornado. So yeah, yeah it, it is about kind of uh, playing to your strengths, I suppose, really. So I, I enjoyed that one. I don't think I quite enjoyed it as much uh, as the, the the people who brought it to us. Uh, he got very excited about it. Um, <laughs> he did, yeah. He did, <laughs> which, you know, kind of, I wouldn't say it's a bit worrying, but, you know, if that's if that's where your life is at, that's okay. Um, and also, Dan, and we had World Down Syndrome Day this week. We did, yes. That was on March twenty first, twenty twenty one. Which was just a week just gone by. But do you know why Dan? It's on the twenty first of March. I don't. Now there you go. And I had I I just kind of went. Yeah, that's okay. That's fine. Only read into it a little bit further, and it tells you uh, uh, because it's uh, people with Down syndrome have a third chromosome. Uh huh. Twenty one. So everywhere uh, they have it on, it's irregardless of, it's always coming in the 21st of March every year. So irregardless of what the day is, you know, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it doesn't really matter. Every year is the 21st of March. So it's 2103, which I thought that was very clever. Uh, you yes, know, it is very clever. Absolutely. You know, hands up and, and, and hats off to the marketers there. Uh, that's really, really, uh, really, really clever stuff. Um, but there was a lot going on this year. And I suppose, again, it's about fundraising. Uh, mm-hmm. To a certain extent, mm-hmm. no more than the Irish yeah. Wheelchair Association. Everybody's looking, I say looking for money, but everyone is losing money here. Yeah, no, and and you had that with the uh, with the Irish Cancer Society as well on uh, during the week because they had Daffodil Day. Yeah, and they're trying to um, look for alternative. Yeah, and I'm not saying I'm not saying there's a connection either, Dan. But just driving around and kind of out for walks and stuff like that. There seems to be an awful lot more daffodils around. Um, yeah. And I'm not saying that people are robbing daffodils uh, sort of every year um, and selling them. And that's why there just seems to be more daffodils because they're not being sold. I, I'm not saying there's a connection, but there just seems to be a lot more daffodils uh, out and about now at the moment. Not pointing fingers here. Just just making a point and an observation. Um, but back to uh, Word Down Syndrome Day. 
Um, I sent you, a, and I couldn't, and I'm sorry I couldn't find the whole video um, last night from uh, Prosper and Mead, uh, where they had, they did it, and I had a look at their website, and they've got some cracking videos out of that. Brilliant. Some absolutely brilliant stuff um, around disability and um, highlighting disability and how people with disability are viewed. Uh, I know this one came out this week um, where I'm not even going to try and pronounce the guy's name because I, I, I would probably just insult, insult the guy's name. Uh, but he goes in for an interview and he has Down syndrome and there's two interviewers behind the desk and they interview him and he goes out quite happy with himself uh having having done a great old interview and then the two interviewers are having a chat amongst themselves one guy goes geez that's terrible you won't be able to do the job and the other fellas going sure listen of course he will and off he goes and he takes his little journey and he's going home in his car and he stopped at a checkpoint and you see uh, the guy who did the interview is the guard who's stopping him and then he goes into a bar and it's the guy behind the bar who is the guy he interviewed and it's him throughout his sort of journey during the day, and he kind of gets this sudden realization. Um, mm -hmm. But the video is just really, really good. Yeah, it's very, very clever and very, very um, poignant. Yeah, it's okay. bang on the money. Um, you know, even kind of from a, a sort of a, a story and a narrative, as we would have been taught yeah. in college, you know, it's really, really well put together. Absolutely. And it kind of it, it, it poses its own questions. Um, the fact that like we're we're in a situation at the minute and, and videos like that still have to be made. That poses its own its own question. Yeah, I suppose, but they have to be made, Dan, but they're not getting out either though, which is kind of the the sad yeah. thing. I mean they have another I I would recommend anybody to go just look up Prosper Mead. Um, and, and have a look. There's, there's another video where uh, it's set in a cafe, um, and it is really clever. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of stuff. if you in this one, if you wouldn't say it to um, if you wouldn't say it to somebody else, why would you say it to somebody with a disability? Uh, Absolutely. It's yeah. it's yeah. There's just really really good stuff. And you um, you're a big fan of Gavin James, aren't you? Yes, Gavin James, uh, his nephew, uh, he has a nephew by the name of Dara, who has um, Down syndrome, and they, he he posts about him every now and then and talks about him every now and then on, on social media. And they have a brilliant relationship. Um, and he uh, held a gig on Paddy's Day for the Down Syndrome Centre. So, uh, fair play this, to him. That was in Wheelands, I think, as well, was it? It was, yeah. Yeah, it which was is uh, pretty impressive in itself. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was on an, uh, some kind of anniversary um, from his his first album, because I think his first album was recorded at Wheelands, if if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, yeah, great stuff. So, lots going on there. Now, Dan, uh, we also have the government... Um, and their record keeping antics. Yes, this came up during the week. Uh, with RTE investigates. Um, and and uh, you know you have to kind of. I, I know a lot, a lot of people, uh, spend an awful lot of time giving out about RTE, and where mm -hmm. taxpayers' money goes, 
and uh, the the license fee and uh, all of those good stuff. But you kind of have to say fair play to them for sticking their head out in this one. Absolutely. Uh, uh, if you want to talk was, about biting the hand that feeds you. Yeah, no, it was, it was a brilliant, brilliantly put together program. Very, uh, very poignant and powerful. Um, it was about uh, the call. There's been a call for an inquiry into dossiers that have been collected on uh, children with autism, um, which ordinarily you'd be like, okay, but the problem is that these are dossiers that have been put together without the, the prior knowledge of the parent. Yeah, and these are effectively uh, families that are taking court actions against um, the government. Yeah, uh, for various different reasons, um, whatever whatever they may be. Now I know I can be quite flippant about and go, oh, shock horror! Government keeps uh, dossiers on uh, citizens. Oh, shock mm-hmm. horror! Okay, so I mean it's not nineteen eighty four. Um, you know, George Orwell, but you know, okay, there is an expectation, I suppose, to some degree that yes, their government is going to keep some sort of track of you. Uh, you know, you, you can't expect them not to. I mean, if you're completely offended by this, I think you need to go and live on an island somewhere that you bought yourself. Uh, that's not governed by anybody. Um, but I think it's the way and the manner that they've done it is, yeah. is the huge problem here. No, absolutely. I and I, I agree with you, Dara, in saying that like there is an expectation that like your government needs to have information on you. But as you said, it's it's the way it's been put together. And um just watching it during the week and you you'd see emails that were sent back and forth um between doctors and uh HSE representatives. And the doctor would be asking, okay, so the HSE are asking for information. And the doctor would be asking, does the, the parent or, or the child know about this? And the government would be saying, no, we haven't, we haven't told them. And then they still, they still send it. Like for me, there is just a, there's massive moral and ethical questions that, that need to be need to be asked here and we need to front up and we need to pressure them to go like this is just not right yeah no i I would definitely agree with you there then uh, and i suppose but then you know that doctor is working for the government um you know it's Mm -hmm. it's a hse doctor or whatever it was in you know the health board whatever it was before it was the hse they're still working for the government though as well Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they don't have, or maybe they're not thinking of such an ethical thing. It's kind of like I'm doing a job here for the government. I'm working for the country. Yeah. So it's no big deal. Um, I know the government were at pains to point out the fact that they had senior counsel in and have had, and had, they had a look at the process and went, eh, no, it's grand. You know, nothing to see here. No problem. Sure, isn't it fine? There's, there's no problem. And I think, again, that becomes a, a, the difference between the law. And what's right? Mm, yeah, you know, um, absolutely, and unlawful. You know, I know one's a sick bird, but it's there is a difference there between what's right and what's 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 correct. It, it's definitely a situation I think where we have to 
look at that whole process deeper than just this okay RTE have covered it and they've gone this is what's happening we can't let that slip uh, no we and, can't and, and it's possibly a, a bad time with coronavirus and being in the middle of a pandemic and things may end up falling off the side of a table somewhere and the pressure may not be put on and everyone will go well hold on a second now let's you have to put on the green jersey here now lads and uh, you know we can't be you know, trying to take the eye off, uh, you know, the middle, we're in the middle of a pandemic, we need to, you know, sort that out first and we'll, we'll take care of these little things later. So, we, you know, they can't be allowed to get away with it. Absolutely not. I don't think, I don't think that would be at all fair. You know, so there is an obligation here on the government to deal with this. Yeah, front up and admit their wrongdoing. <laughs> Well, I, th- I don't know whether it's about admitting the wrongdoing either, though, Dan. Um, yeah, no, maybe not necessarily that, but admit that... There is something that they have to do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that it's absolutely. not just a simple sort of, um, oh, yeah, you know, ah, sure, listen, ah, sure, there was no big deal, you know, sure, weren't we grand, like, there's no, yeah, no, there's no problem there at all, that's why you're getting your knickers in a twist for, uh, mm-hmm. you know, really, why, why would you be getting your you know, getting your sort of getting yourself upside down and on, on, on top of the whole thing. But hopefully, Dan, we're they're not going to get away with it. I, I have a funny feeling this is something that we will come back to. Would that keep it, track it of it? Is, it is something I think that we we should come back to. Um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know For sure. but like like we said, there's absolutely no way that they should be let kind of yeah, I suppose let's get away with it. So Dan, um, I think, like I said, this is something we're going to come back to. Okay, so we're joined now uh, by Jer Massey, and we're going to have a little chat about uh, Bocce and her balls. Um, Geraldine is, uh, or not currently, but has been uh, involved in the world of Bocce. Dan, I'm going to ask you just to just to give us an overview, your quick overview of Bocce and and why we're actually talking about. It. Yeah, so Bacha is, uh, I suppose, to keep it simple, you could describe it as bulls with softer balls. Uh, it's one of the fastest growing sports in the Paralympic movement uh, with 73 full members of um, BizFed or the World Bacha and has made huge progress over the years to expand um, and professionalize the sport. And there's been a new uh, petition set up because they've made a ruling that says that all balls ever made will be illegal in international and world competition from the 1st of January 2022, which forces every athlete who competes or aspires to compete internationally to instantly begin purchasing a new set. No, it's done. No. This has got to be absolutely, completely bonkers. Um, Ger, uh, just thanks very much for joining us today uh, because, you know, I, I, while not an awful lot of us might not know what Boccia is, um, uh, I know I, I've been fortunate to have been enlightened by um, uh, a previous uh, international player in uh, Neil Dunphy who kind of brought this to our attention as well. Um, you might tell us a bit about yourself, Ger, and, 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 and your connection to Boccia. Grand. Well, my connection, Adara, thanks. Thanks for asking me, lads, to, to come along and have a bit of a word about Bocce. It, it remains a passion of mine. 
Dan will know that I kind of rammed it down his neck a number of times. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, my connection actually started way back last century um, when I uh, went to see it as a demonstration sport uh, in 1986. I read up on the rules, I bought a washer set and we started playing in Ireland. Um, there was no team sport for people with with um, with a significant physical disability, a significant cerebral palsy, basically wheelchair users. So we anyway, from there we played a couple of times and our first Paralympic event was Seoul in 1988, where our class two athlete took a um, a gold medal in that competition. Now, even way back then, Dara, there was um, there was controversy about the ball because the ball it was a new sport. Basically, the ball we used actually it would would it didn't wear well, you know. So when you start a new game, it's lovely they roll lovely. By the, the end of a tournament, it would nearly plop onto the ground. Um, and it was also at the early stage too, where we're looking at the introduction of, um, which is very very popular now, and a huge part of the game, the athletes with um, using assistive devices, and they very much need a ball that rolls beautifully. Yeah. Um, so from then it, it went on. Uh, we looked at I think then the handy sport was the ball that was was used a lot, and the traditional ball that we had used initially actually went off the scene. Um, I then was, um, I was involved in a, in a committee looking at assistive devices. I was then, I went on to become an international referee for, for Boccia and I uh, solely managed and trained with the course support staff, um, some who I know is still involved in the game at the moment, um, two more um, Paralympic. Um, so I Barcelona in 92 and Atlanta in 96 and then World Games um, in between that. So it, it got hectic. So um, uh, but it's grown since and it's amazing to see how many people are growing, uh, are, are playing Boccia now. Um, that uh, it, it's just lovely to see it having grown as such an amazing sport. Um, so so are, 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 we, are we looking at, sorry, the balls now, are we looking at them? Uh, have they completely changed? No, not at all. No, the the original ball, I think it was it was a kind of a, a leather-ish finish on it, and they were um, the the first that we had were kind of like rectangles that were sewn together to make the um, to make the ball, yeah. and they were kind of rice filled because I know ours got wet actually somehow in going to Korea, <laughs> and we had this most amazing when it dried out, the rice expanded, so we had this most amazing hard ball. Fabulous, <laughs> that's the, that's like uh, that's like people who play pitch and put boiling their balls before they go out to play, <laughs> and then when they hit painful. when they hit, I know, yeah, when they hit the green, <laughs> then they just they, they stop dead. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and then the ball that they use now, which is the handy sport ball, is almost like a miniature soccer ball so it has those shapes all sewn together and it's got a little bit of give in it and because it's leather it um you know you you, you it often have to stop yourself laughing because if you're standing behind an athlete and you're giving them the balls I mean they might hold up their ball to you and say would you roll my balls and it's just you know they just want you to roll it to get it into kind of a you know a good shape so it will roll when it hits others might ask you to flatten the ball so it so when it hits the ground, but the, the change is coming through, you know, when you read the petition, it sounds actually quite worrying. And you think, oh, my God, this is a huge cost involved. People are going to have to be changing their balls. But there is wear and tear on a ball. So you would be changing it. My opinion is if you got two years out of a, a botcha set, you would be changing it, particularly our top athletes, our athletes that are aiming to compete at worlds, at international events. 
they will be looking at you always want, you want the best of the equipment best anyway. as you do with yeah. with anything and the, the, the petition and thanks uh dan for sending it on to me i actually hadn't seen it and it, it's kind of reignited a, a little bit of excitement in me in relation to budget but i um it does sound like oh my god this is awful it's going to be a cost but then when you go on to the the bizfed site the the Bacha federation site um there's no cost mentioned in it so it's not as if it's going to be more expensive the chances are the license is going to be given it could well be to handy life sport which is the company that are making the the botcha set it will have to have in order for it to be used in international competition it will have to have the stamp on it saying that it is the internationally recognized botcha now this license seemingly is now is going to be changed again every four years the it will be open to offers for other companies to be make to be the manufacturer of the competition ball but they they're saying from the beginning of from is it january 2022 mm -hmm. that they, they would change but because now it hasn't been announced yet who is going to be the licensee who is going to hold the license for making the ball it was to be in march of this year but again a covid related issue that has been delayed um so they're saying from but there is going to be a year's grace so it's kind of going to be from the beginning of january uh, 2023 that all balls will have to all international balls will have to have that license stamp so if there's anybody at the moment using a set of balls even if you bought them say in the past year and you're training regularly with them and using them regularly chances are your botcha set will need to be changed in order for it to be in tip-top condition the best equipment you could have it would need to be changed before then anyway that's my uptake on it i am absolutely willing to be challenged on that and i would love the opportunity to discuss it with somebody who who is playing um there is no mention of cost there is no mention of it being any, any more expensive um and in um the elite athletes in 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 Bacha do actually receive funding for their equipment so there there is it's not that they're going to have to cough up and take it out of you know um whatever money they have their savings or or you know do a, a fund me or whatever to get it um so it's just, it looks that, that when you read the petition, you think, oh my God, this is just so unfair and this is horrific. But actually when you do then go on to the, you know, and kind of look around and find out what the Federation has to say, it actually makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense that everybody should be playing from the same playing field, that your skill is in relation to botcha and not just in relation to your balls um, or your set, of, um, your set of balls. So I don't know if that's making sense. Um, yeah, no, I, I think it, it it's an interesting take on it for sure, Jared, because uh, I think we were looking at it originally kind of going with the costs and stuff. Um, we're kind of going, as you said, it was very much, um, you know, this is going to be uh, a big cost and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I think listening to your opinion on that, it's, it's definitely um, something that needs to be considered. So thank you yeah. very, very much. And it is only my opinion, Dan, you know, and then I was thinking of all these pretty good botcha sets that are then not going to be able to use, be used internationally. And if you're a top class athlete, you're probably not going to be training on them. Maybe there's an opportunity for these botcha sets to be passed on to maybe schools and other clubs where we can recycle them and, and they can be used to generate more interest in the game and get, um, you know, because I've gone into secondary schools to try and get them in playing and then you know, it isn't deemed, they, they don't buy the botcha set. So maybe the couple of adult, you know, the couple of, of um, students in those secondary schools then don't get a chance to play this game. Um, 
you know, whereas if, you know, they run out of hockey balls, they're going to buy hockey balls. If they run out of soccer balls, they're going to buy soccer balls. So if there was any way that this could actually help the wider Botcher community, that would be a positive that would come from it as well. Lovely. Ger, uh, huge thanks for joining us today. Um, genuinely appreciate that uh, and your insights into it. Um, Dan, I think we good place to, to leave it for this episode. Absolutely. Um, I've been Darren McNicholas. I'm Dan Airy. I'm going to talk to you very soon.